Thank you all for allowing me the opportunity to be here this morning and share with you along with uh, Zach and John. It's been a joy to kind of walk through um, what are the what is it church membership mean for us here at Multiplied Church and and I just appreciate the opportunity that John affords and Zach affords for an old man just to share a few thoughts and passions that, that God has developed and arisen within me. Now, this morning, we're going to be talking about the responsibilities of church membership. And obviously, like with stewardship last week, it can go multiple directions. But John did a fabulous job last week by pulling the whole biblical picture together that stewardship involves far more than our finances. It's our time, it's our body, it's our being, it's our purpose. And if you will afford me this morning with responsibility, I'm going to do something quite similar to that. Because there could be a whole list <clears throat> of responsibilities. We can say these are the responsibilities as a member of Multiply Church. But here's where we are going to go with talking about three key responsibilities that we have in Multiply Church. You will probably think they're, they're quite simple, I honestly. You'll probably think, I already know this. You do know it. You may even think we need another list, we need it more in depth, but here's a thought I want you to embrace with me just for this time this morning. The tendency in many of our lives is to become the masters of complex and novices of the simple. Now, in truth, when we become masters of the simple, then we become experts in the complex and we demystify the complex. So that's where I'm bringing us back this morning to very simple three responsibilities. These aren't all-inclusive. There are other good responsibilities you'll find throughout Scripture and you read. We could have discussions for sure. So this is by no means to say these are the three primary responsibilities of being a, a member of Multiply Church. By no means are these, say, these are exclusionary responsibilities. You can't find these in others. What we're trying to say, John and Zach and I, is this. <clears throat> that if we three, and you as members of Multiply Church, will focus our attention on these three responsibilities... The fruit that will appear and multiply in our life will be far beyond what we can imagine. And that many of the complex aspects of our lives and the complexities of church membership will take care of themselves. So, here we are. If you've got your scripture with you, I want you to turn in your Bible with me and follow along with me where you can because we're going to center on three primary scriptures this morning. The first responsibility of church membership is to love God and to love others. We're looking in Luke chapter 
10. Luke chapter 10, 25 and 28. Luke chapter 10, 25 through 28. A lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered Jesus, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Now, Matthew records this episode in the ministry of Jesus with just a slightly different angle where Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God and went on. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So we have we finished about church membership. Now we can go on because who of you do not love God? You're here because you love God. I'm here because I love God. And yet, loving God with all of our heart and our soul and our strength and our mind, to this day, after 45 years of following God as my only God, is my greatest struggle that I have in life. We understand because we spent time in 1 John where we encountered love being the agape love. So we have already covered this so much that there are three different words for love used in the Greek language. There is the love driven by the uh, erotic passion, if you would, of attraction and all of that. There's the love driven by feelings. And then there's this love here that's used here in Luke as well, that's agape love. It's the self-sacrificing love. It's the love where I actually look at this person and I say, I value this person more than I value myself. And I want to be involved in this person's life. <clears throat> and I want to have a part of who this person is. So we understand really well that that emotional, sexual, erotic-driven love is quite temporary. It's passion that stirs and like a, a firework bursts and it's out. We understand quite well that that feeling-driven love, that I, I like you, you make me feel good, uh, I hope I make you feel good, let's, let's just be together as friends because there's a good feeling, that is quite temporary. Because feelings are fickle, and they fool us, and they come, and they go. But to understand this type of love talking here, love God with the self-sacrificing, focusing my attention on Him, the best way for us to fully comprehend that type of love that 
is called upon us is like this, by looking at the way God loves us. This is the word used when it says God so loved the world. God so agape the world that he gave his only son. Now, imagine you are God. And he is looking down upon the life of Curtis. Only Curtis is not looking up at him. Curtis is looking out here elsewhere. But God is looking down on me. And God is showing an interest in Curtis with how he can be a part of Curtis's life. Only Curtis is not interested in being a part and returning something to him. So rather, God is not involving himself in Curtis's life because of what he can get back in return. He's involving himself in Curtis's life because what? Agape. I am deciding and I'm choosing I want to be a part of your life. And if you give me nothing back, Curtis, if you never choose, Curtis, to follow me as your only God, to acknowledge me as your Savior, if you never do any of that, Curtis, I still am focusing my attention down upon your life because I am interested in you. The challenge to me is this. There are numerous times in my life where I am focused on God because I want him to do something for me. Now, I'm not saying that, that that's sinful. I'm not saying that it's evil. I'm not saying it's unnatural for who we are in this human world and the struggles we face. But I am saying it's not the mature is highest level of my focus on God, and I recognize it. But I do. I focus on God because I want you to help solve this problem around me, God. I read the Bible because I want you, God, to, to think good of me and therefore give me some more blessings. I want to worship you, God, because I'm afraid if I don't worship you, then perhaps you'll do something bad against me. These are a natural way in which we in our fallen sinful human nature react. Now, I will grant you, you most like most of you out there are of much higher character than me, but I will confess, this is why to love God and focus on God is such a struggle in me. Because the greatest commandment, Jesus said, <clears throat> this thing that will give life to me, is to simply say, you're God. And I want to know more about you. I want to focus in my fallenness, in my incompleteness, in my brokenness, I want to know more about you. It's not unlike when we get married. I mean, yes, the analogy of marriage is quite inadequate to describe this analogy of focusing on God or God focusing on us. But if you follow the nature of marriage, what builds the best marriage when all of you got married or your parents got married? Or your friends got married. 
What builds the strongest marriage? Is it when I say, it is so good to come home, Tricia, at the end of the day and to see you and to have this nice meal, but I've had a stress-filled day and I really need time to buy myself where I can zone in on my football games. Does that make a good marriage? Does it make a good marriage if... Tricia is wanting to talk about her cross stitch or something, and I'm like, you know what? I just don't do this needlework. I, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> Does that make a good marriage? Or I'm talking about my interests and my hobbies or my thoughts or what's going on, and Tricia said, you know, Curtis, I, I love you. You make me feel good, but that all bores me. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Does that make a good marriage? No, of course what makes it is when we say, I want to be interested in cross-stitch because Tricia is interested in cross-stitch. She wants to be interested in history because Curtis is interested in history, not because it ever really thrills her. It's, it's pulling back to say, I want to have an interest in you, God. Now, this thing... All of our heart, all of our, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind. You know, these are just descriptive ways to try to encompass us and focus our, our, our attention. Because the heart is the seed of the passion, if you will, the motion. It's always been seen by that by so many cultures, particularly by the Jewish culture. That it's, it's where our emotions are. That our soul is the passion of life. It's who we are and what's driving us forward. Our strength or our abilities. Our mind is our intellect, <clears throat> our analysis. It would be great, though, if we couldn't have that word all because that really trips up so many of us. All. None of us are all or nothing. So many of my days can start out, if you would, like this, where I'm, I'm joyful in God, and I wake up, and I'm interested in, in who God is, and as the morning goes on, I kind of get down here, and, you know, by 10 or 11 or 12, I'm here. Maybe by 1 or 2, I'm back here. I hope by the time I get home at 5, I'm back here, somewhat back where I started, and the the lack of all in my life is glaring. When we get too myopic on it, though, what we have to pull back, and I have to look at the days of the week then, and to see, well, maybe Monday was here, and Tuesday was here, and Wednesday here, and Thursday here, and Friday here, and Saturday here, and even then, that can become overwhelming and think it's useless. I can't really focus my attention on God overall. Well, then I need to pull back and look at the, the month. You know, the whole thing in our life, rather than getting hung up on the all every time continuously, is to look and to see, are the lows in my life higher than the previous lows in my life? Are the highs in my life higher than the previous highs in my life? That's what this all concept means. Where is the trajectory of my life going? Do 
I want to love God, to focus more on God, to say how God, can I wake up and say, God, how can I love you more? I didn't say we need to read the Bible every day, as if that is extremely beneficial in our life. If, if we don't love God, the truth is reading the Bible does bring benefit into our lives because it brings the wisdom of God into our lives. But it doesn't bring as much benefit as starting out with, I want to be interested in you, God. How do I love you more? I've often asked God that question. How can I love you more today? How can I focus on you more today? How can I be interested in you more today? What is in a part of my life? And then what happens is that second part, loving my neighbor as myself. That, that interest in the people around me, that people in our lives become our relationships become our hobbies. That we want to collect these relationships in our lives. You know, our tendency can be to focus in on this relationship and, and this is the one I have and these three men are the one that I'm the closest with and these five women are the one that understand my soul. But it's interesting that, that <clears throat> this is the second greatest commandment because if I am focused on God, <clears throat> then I am also going to focus on what is his priority, which is what? Relationships. We're in the midst of this now. Several of our missional groups are in this because they've grown so big and the relationships become much cumbersome and sharing your heart and all of this. So they are multiplying and they are the bold people in us because these two missional groups now have multiplied and they become four missional groups and the relationships are changing they're not giving up the previous relationships but I, I want to draw on these folks to help you and the rest of us to understand what's happening in them they're not saying no to these other good relationships they've had they're saying yes to building more relationships out here multiplying their contact and their relationships with new people because it's saying there are new people who are going to be a part of my life who are going to make a difference in me loving God. And perhaps in me being in relationships with these new people, I can make a difference in them loving God. So we're not, that's why we call ourselves multiply. We are multiplying our love for God. We're multiplying our love for the people around us. Now, that's this story here in Luke is the Good Samaritan story. You know, who is my neighbor? Clear. It's everyone I encounter around me. This is the simplicity of why the first responsibility of of church membership is love God and love people. This is the simplicity of it. This type of love 
is a choice. Do I choose to be involved deeper and deeper with God, with the expansiveness of my emotions and my passions and my abilities and my intellect? It will drive me to want to read the Bible. I've never seen it fail to drive somebody with a growing desire to read the Bible. You know, the secret of this Bible is this. This Word of God is God's private journal about His thoughts on all of us. That's why, if you want to understand me, you read my writings that I write and my journals and these type of things. If you want to understand God, reading His Word will help you understand Him better and how to love Him and how He loves you. So where do we center in our relationships? It's if you choose to be a member of Multiply Church, and it is a choice. We're not a cult. You may come and you may choose not to join. Praise God. We're glad you're here. But if you choose to join and become a member of Multiply Church, Zach, mine, John, our passion is helping you along with us to choose to love God more broadly and deeply in our lives, focusing our lives on Him, and to multiply our relationships around us with everybody so that you don't just become close with a few people in this one missional community, but that you are able to have relationships with people across Multiply Church and across the community, and across the city, and across the county, and across the world. Because this is the heart of God. Now, you can go to many churches that do not focus this as a responsibility. And you're okay. We aren't insulted if you choose not to be a part of Multiply Church. But if you choose to be a member in Multiply Church, this is what we are passionate about. Beginning in this place, focusing on God. The second responsibility we have is on discovering the good that God has implanted within us. Now, I'm, these other two and three, don't, they don't necessarily go in order. Of course, the first one, it stirs on all the others. Number two and number three are just simply there because they are so magnificently beneficial in our lives. For this, we're looking in Ephesians chapter 2. Look with me there. You're familiar with the verse because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, <clears throat> it's the verse about grace and salvation being the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved 
through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Workmanship is a lost skill. I don't quite have it in many things, but one thing I try and have, have, have tried to become a workman on is wordsmithing, so that when I write, I try to craft things very skillfully with the English language. And it's, it's my joy, like a person with a, with a carver and a piece of wood, like a potter with clay, in the same way, I can look and I can analyze this and say, what, what's the best way to convey this meaning? And how do I, and I can take just a sliver off over here and I can add just a little bit there and just a pinch, just a notch right there. That's what workmanship is. <clears throat> And it means that with a purpose, I am focusing on all these aspects of English words that we all use, no different from me than it is from you. But I'm crafting very carefully these English words for a distinct purpose. What's to come out of them? What a wonderful picture here of how God has ordained before the beginning of time to work in our lives his workmanship for good, that he's created it and crafted it in us. Of course, there's going to be some similarities because he's the creator. But the workmanship of good that he's created in your life is quite different than the workmanship of good that he's created in my life. I cannot be you and B, discover the, the beauty of what God created. I can mimic you. I can be inspired by you. But when I try to be you, then I'm becoming less of me. That God has created in me, in his workmanship. The responsibility of allowing what God has created within us to come out is a phenomenal responsibility. Our greatest tendency as human beings is to mimic each other. Think back in your life how many times you ask those people who inspire you, who inspire you with your walk with God. Think back in your life how many times you, like me, have asked this, asked this question. How do you do this? You know, what I am really looking for is a one, two, three, four, five, six. If this works for John, then let me just do what John does and let this become in me. But that's not in the discovery. What we seldom ask is, would you help me to learn how? That's what we're talking about here. 
For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And in you, he has worked and created a purpose to unfold a good beyond our imagination, beyond our conception, if we will simply let him. What is the number one question that is asked by so many in our society today? It is this. Why am I here? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? The people I encounter, my age, older, younger, and everybody who are simply totally bewildered, I just don't know my purpose. I just don't know my meaning. I just don't know. And what we're seeing here in the Scripture is that God is all about of revealing within you what is the purpose and what is the meaning. That's why the responsibility of church membership at Multiply Church is allowing God to unfold within us the good that he's already created there. I just can't do this. I'm just not able to do this. I'm not skilled to do that. These are the phrases that often come to the lips. These are the words that often hear that we often hear. Instead, flip it on its head and think for a second to say Help me to discover what is it I can do. Because ultimately in the end, <clears throat> as life goes on, those who will allow God to unfold the good he has workedly created within them will discover their ability to do far more than they ever thought possible for them to do. What is your bucket list? That's the common phrase today is, you know, I want to see Greece. I want to see, I want to be at the Mount Fuji as the sun comes up on the east, you know. I want to ride camels in the Mongolian outback. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to. I wasn't used to this because when I left America, um, now 30 Five years ago, that just wasn't a common phrase. But now that I get back, I hear everybody, I see everywhere. This is my bucket list before I've gone. But even in the church community, there's still one, one part of this bucket list that I've never yet hear people talk about. I want to see what God could do with my life if I will totally trust him. If I will just say, yes, I'm afraid, God, but yes. I don't know how it's going to be done, God, but yes. As a member of Multiply Church, what we are asking is the same thing that God asked of John and Zach and I. 
is to say, yes, God. Not that we have it all figured out, but we know you do. Not that we have all the ability, but we know you do. Not that we have all of the decisive ways it can be constructed, but we know you do. Yes, God, I'm willing, I'm able, and I want to follow you. Of course, you understand from our first one, if I am passionately with all who I am interested in God, you can see how he is going to unfold in me this great workmanship he's created. What can God do with a life that simply says, I don't have any of the answers, but yes, I'll trust you. But it's frightening to let God unfold his creation. Because for God to unfold his workmanship within me means I have to see some of the ugly soot upon my heart. For God to unfold his workmanship within me means I have to face to face with some attitudes and some desires that I don't want. For God to unfold his workmanship within me means that I have to say at times, I like being with these people, but God, I'm willing to build these new relationships because that's a part of how you're developing me. And I'm afraid. And I trust you. And in my fear, you're going to guide me. You're going to sustain me. You see, it is not easy. It's much easier to simply say, I wish I knew what my purpose is. I wish I knew what the meaning of all of this is. I wish I knew what the value of all of this is. But what John and Zach and I are telling you is, our God is a revealing God who is wanting to unfold within us the good, workman, creative, purposeful workmanship that he's already designed within us. If we simply will say, yes, I'm afraid, but I'm willing. In this same uh, book of Ephesians, Flip over to chapter 3 and look at the power of this. You go back and read these later, but, but look at the power of this joined together with what's said here in chapter 2. In chapter 3 and verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. In 2019, a 90-year-old grandmother realized it was time to move out of her small house in Compagne, France. She didn't want to, but she knew she needed help in in an assisted living place, and her house was only worth so much. 
But she was 90 years old. She had collected so many different things over life. She thought maybe there's something. She asked the local appraiser, could you come and help me see, should I just call the dump? <laughs> or is there something here? He, he was compassionate on the woman as he looked and tried to comfort this uh, or, or, you know, encourage this 90-year-old grandmother and looked through her house and, and he just shook his head because, yeah, it, it, it's, it's junk. <laughs> Nobody wants all of this stuff that you got. But he did see over her hot plate was a, a board with a, of a picture kind of in a, uh, uh, an older style of painting of um, Jesus being mocked and persecuted. It was only seven and a half inches wide and ten inches tall. It was covered with the soot of, and the grease and the grime of being above her hot plate cooking all these years. She didn't even remember it. She couldn't remember where she got it. But he said, well, you know, it's probably a couple of hundred years old. Take it to the local art dealer and have them evaluate it. And maybe it would give you $5,000 and give you something. So she did. And they determined that it was painted by Simbaud in the late 1200s before changing into a Renaissance style of painting and sold at auction for $26 million. The beauty and the good that was created there, that had always been there, but covered by the soot and the grime of life, was once again shown. When you take off the grime and the soot of life. Before you and I were ever conceived and born into this world, God has created something beautiful in our lives. And we've gotten marked by a lot of grime and a lot of soot and a lot of filth. And some of it is of our own making. And much of it is of none of our doing. At Multiply Church... Our responsibility is allowing God to remove that soot and grime and allowing the beauty of his workmanship to be shown for what he designed in us to be. The third responsibility is this, to represent God. Look with me in 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 17. This is somewhat of a conclusion of thoughts that begins with, therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That word ambassador has the same power of meaning today that it did then. It is a representative of the one with authority. Now, there can be many people who can sit down with a head of state and they can talk to them and they can share their ideas about my country. And I think, Mr. President, if you did this, then my, my leader would do that. I think, Mr. President, my leader is open to this possibility. But the truth be known, this happens all the time, and all of these conversations will fall flat unless it is the ambassador. Because when you talk to the ambassador, you understand that that woman in front of me, that man in front of me, they're not sharing their opinion. They're sharing what the head of their government is saying. They're not sharing their thoughts and their analysis of what's going on. They're sharing what the head of their government is saying. There are ambassadors that go beyond their scope and begin to share broadly, and then the, the, gov the country over there is in a bind because miscommunication has taken place. And very quickly when that happens, that ambassador is recalled because the role of an ambassador is to represent the one of authority. This is who we are. In one of my joys in working at uh, Hometown was in many ways to be an ambassador of exactly who we are. So there were so many times that I under the authority of representing the ethos of what we, we began as a company, what we said we were as a company, that under that authority and that ethos, that I would go to our employee who was totally distraught, how am I going to pay for the funeral of my uh, husband that, that died? I don't know. And I would contact the funeral home and pay a $7,000 funeral bill. Because I was the ambassador. And I had the authority. And I would walk into accounting and I would say, this is what we're going to do. When I had one of our employees who had just started and had some insurance, they had moved and so forth, got very serious cancer that would have killed them had they not figured out and focused their energy on fighting that cancer. And I said, don't worry about it. We are going to pay your deductible and your medical bills. And we're going to see you through this. That's what an ambassador does. That people, when I focused attention on our, our average employees, 
our hourly employees and created means where we could recognize and honor them and encourage them. This was a part of my joy. That's what an ambassador does. And this was a part of the affirmation I received from the owner of Hometown Lenders, as if I am making my appeal through you, Curtis. As What does it say here? In the, Entrusting to you, Curtis, this is who you are. There is something about being a missionary that um, some of you may not know. This was my home. My home church was here not far away. And, of course, we came back here. Usually we came back once every four years. And uh, we spoke in the churches. We were at our home church. We see people. As a missionary... You meet one of me. But as a missionary, I meet 800 of you. And then you go and talk about me to another 500 who haven't talked to me personally. All of that's to say that you can imagine it's, it's, it's hard. There's so many encounters where... Tricia would say to me, do we know that person after we left talking with them? And I would say, well, I guess we met them at some point in time. (laughs) Then maybe you would understand this. This week, I went to the pharmacy to get a prescription on my new medical plan because uh, my employer last year had stopped and I had to get on a whole new medical system and It was the same company, but a different plan, and I'm at the pharmacy, and they said, oh, yeah, that's a great company, only on this plan, this pharmacy, we don't do your medicine. So I am very frustrated, because now I've got to find the pharmacy that does my medicine on this plan, and I find that pharmacy, and it goes to Walmart, and I go there, and then they're trying to talk with them about Getting calling back to this pharmacy and pulling my prescription over to their pharmacy. I'm frustrated. I've, it's been a longer ordeal than I ever wanted to happen. And the young lady at the cash register, once we kind of finished this, she said, uh, you don't know who I am, do you? And my first thought was, oh, crap. <laughs> And my second thought was, I'm going to need to start going to a Walmart in Winchester, Tennessee, so I can stop (laughs) encountering somebody who might know me. (laughs) And my third thought was, I hope my frustration of this situation didn't vomit out on top of this young lady too much. Well, this situation, it worked out great. Apparently, I wasn't too obnoxious, and she remembered me well, but, but she was an eight-year-old who had grown up with me for the past 28 years, and of course, she, eight-year-olds change, so no wonder I don't feel bad not recognizing her, <laughs> but it reminded me, I'm an ambassador for Christ. That's who I really represent is Christ. 
Now, it doesn't mean that frustrations don't happen in life. It doesn't mean irritations don't happen. I had some other conversations this week on the phone with, again, I don't know about you, but irritating, frustrating situations just seem to have a way of multiplying in my, as my week goes on. <laughs> and at the end of the week, I was on the phone call, uh, phone for the fourth time over a situation that was quite simple after waiting an hour and a half. But praise God, God had given me the sense, and this time I said, I, you know, now I'm going to start off, sir. I'm going to begin, ma'am, by telling you, I'm not upset with you. <laughs> so when you hear frustration, <laughs> this is not directed at you. <laughs> well, they appreciated that, <laughs> you know. And I got, they were much more helpful, helpful and all that. But I'm an ambassador for Christ. We go back to the beginning I love you, God, just because I want to love you. And yet the heart of God is relationships across the spectrum. And it, it, it culminates with this, reconciling the world unto himself. And he sends us out as ambassadors that we are the ones. Be reconciled to God. Come to God. Do people want to know about my God after they've left an encounter with me? It doesn't mean I'm perfect. But even in my imperfection, in the way I can talk, if I can say, I apologize again on the phone, ma'am, sir, I apologize again for, for, for my brashness, it's the situation and all that, but you have been extremely helpful and I appreciate you. Does... The react, the, does the way I react like that, or to this cashier at the Walmart pharmacy, does it make them want to know more about who my God is or less? I'm an ambassador for God. That's the responsibility at Multiply Church. We represent God. It doesn't mean we're always getting it right, but it means that even when we get it wrong, the ways we can come back and we can repent and the way we can convey, is there a joy in us that makes somebody else want to know and believe that God provides joy? Is there a sense of confidence within us in the midst of our frustration and our faith of who God is that makes them believe that that? Our God can help them with their frustrations. Here is the secret of an ambassador, ambassadorial relationship. When an ambassador comes to America, he spends an enormous amount of time trying to get to know the Secretary of State for America. Because the Secretary of State cannot know the leaders of each of these countries real well, but he can know you. And so ultimately, what's happening here is this relationship. I don't know the leader of that country, but I know you. And if you're telling me as the ambassador, your country will do this, then I'm willing to try. <laughs> Let me talk to my president. Let's see what we can work out. 
people in this world are so estranged from God and have so many concepts of who God is that many of them want nothing to do with God again because he's this evil ogre only wanting to inflict harm and hardship on our life and he's done nothing good for me. But if God can give you peace, maybe he could give me peace. And we say, be reconciled to God. This is what it means to be a member of Multiply Church. Now, John is going to be speaking next week about vision. But all of this is to say that if you choose to join Multiply Church, you can be assured this is where John and Zach and I are passionately working in our lives in these three responsibilities of ourselves. This is where we're going to help you to multiply your love for God, to multiply your love for in relationships with other people, to multiply your understanding of what God's created within you, to multiply the joy of you seeing people reconciled to God through the interactions and relationships you have. That's the responsibility of Multiply Church. Of course, if you choose not to join Multiply Church, you're not necessarily signing on to these responsibilities. That's okay. If you choose not to join Multiply Church, come, worship with us, love God with us, have fellowship with God with us. But know this, God calls us to be in community, and you need to join someplace. We're not offended if you choose not to join our church. We want to bless you and help you join a church, but I'm saying to you is this, join someplace. Because it's only when we join and we commit ourselves in this relationship and we accept the responsibilities of these relationships, it is only in that time when the richness of who God is truly begins to flow into our lives. We want you to join if you choose. But know that this is what we're passionately about. Loving God more with all of our heart our soul and our mind. Loving our neighbors more in more vibrant, expanding relationships. Allowing God to wipe off the grime of our lives and reveal what He's created and simply say, Yes, God, I trust you. And being a more beautiful ambassador of who he is. Be reconciled with God. That's where we come today with the Lord's Supper. 
And there may be some of you that are sitting there right now saying to yourself, I'm just not sure that I've ever even been reconciled. I don't even understand what that means. That part right there is so confusing. As his ambassador, as your missional community ambassadors, come talk to Zach or John or me or Nicholas and Erica and, and Travis and Hannah and Ross and Hannah and James and Buffy and Betsy, Zach and Jessica. Allison, Josh, Danielle, Levi, come talk. Because we want to tell you there is a new life in Jesus Christ that is beyond imagination. Be reconciled with God. We thank you, Father. Thank you through Jesus Christ that we come to honor. That you gave your life to forgive our sins. That you come and rose from the dead and live today to flow within us. Thank you, God our Father. That the essence of this world in which we live does not define you, confine you. Father, how can we love you more? Teach us. Father, guide us with what you will do if we just say yes. I'll trust you. I'll love you. I'll obey you. I'll follow you all in my confusion. And unto you, Christ our Lord, be the glory and the majesty and the honor that you reconcile us with God and then use us to spread your word of reconciliation. Praise to you, Jesus Christ, for answering our prayers. Amen.